Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'd like to welcome you to our Transformer. And these are Free Zone clients, clients who are in the Free Zone Frontier, and one of the very first to actually sign up for the Free Zone Frontier program, Richard Wilson. And I'll let Richard just introduce himself in a second. But what we're doing is we're capturing how entrepreneurs who are in the Strategic Coach program are responding, not reacting, but responding to the change conditions in their industry, in their market, in their particular business. And I'm just going to start off the interview by have Richard just describe himself a little bit about where he is right now, but also three things that he's doing that have shifted things, and he's done it successfully, maybe even kind of surprised about how easily they were able to pivot. Actually, Richard, in an industry where face-to-face is really important, meetings are really important, traveling all over the country is really, really important. So this is a great story. And no, he's not on a yacht. And no, this isn't his castle with his family seal on the wall. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Richard, where are we talking from? I live on the island of Key Biscayne. We're about 10 minutes from Miami. Yeah, good. Okay. So thanks for having me on here. Yeah, so the one-sentence description of who we are. I started Family Office Club 13 years ago, and we help ultra-wealthy families start, form lives, run their family offices. We're also an investor club, so we have 2,000 registered investors with us, and over the last 13 years, we've been hosting 30 live events per year. We don't do 600, you know, like Strategic Coach, but we do 30. Now we've gone from 30 events a year to zero events until the CDC gives us a thumbs up. So we're adjusting to that change. And the big three things that we've done to change is it took us about a day and a half to kind of transform the whole website, take down the whole hosting of live events and transform into putting these things up. And it is a daily investor mandate interview. So every day I interview one to three investors and then every business day I'm uploading at least one of those to our portal. And what we've done is shared one of those publicly if the name blocked out, the last name blocked out, and then the members get the full version of the interview. So every day there's a new investor lead going in the portal. We've also organized our past conferences better. So we have 450 investors interviewed, what they're investing in, how they like to allocate and structure their deals, et cetera. So we made the portal much stronger. And we had been talking about that idea for six months and putting it off. And then the crisis hit and we said, well, we're doing it now. You know, if there's ever a time to put on your blue suit jacket and lace up and do everything you've been putting off, it's right now. So That was one of them. The second one is that we've been doing more live webinars and virtual investor discussion panels. A lot of people are doing that, so nothing earth shattering, but we've just found the online participation is through the roof right now. We capped out our thousand person webinar yesterday and had 1600 people trying to get on there and we're debating whether we wanna increase it or just have it capped every time. Might be good kind of social proof, but I just really emphasize the genuine giving of value And you always talk about operating in a white space. And so the biggest recommendation I could give to everybody is when everyone's doing a webinar on how to navigate the CARE Act, and you've got 42 options for that, doing a webinar that hits your prospects between the eyes with real value because you know your prospect very well and it's something that they're worried about or they're needing help on that's not being talked about by everybody else, I think is probably the thing to do. You know, when everyone else was sending out the email saying, oh, don't worry, our company still exists, our employees are washing their hands, like we're still here to serve you. You know, we sent out an email saying, here are the three types of deals our investors want to invest in right now during the crisis. So the other Dan mentor I've had in the past, Dan Kennedy, always says, if you don't know what to do, do the opposite of everybody else. So he agrees with you. And that's been paying off for us. 
And then the third thing is it's really been pushing us to innovate in ways that we hadn't expected. When we thought really hard, what's my unique ability, which is positioning to generate pre-qualified leads by crafting a strong position, then we thought, well, you know, it's really those daily investor mandates, virtual panels, but then what if we were able to do some investor lead gen for some of our clients that were coming to the events and help them with getting a couple extra leads per week coming in? So there's one other idea I'll get to later in the interview, but those are the three main ideas. And the whole overarching commonality is doing things we kind of knew we always needed to do, like updating social media a couple times a day instead of a couple times a week, updating the podcast a couple times a day instead of a couple times a week. And we're just kind of getting to it and not putting anything off at this point. Yeah. Richard, one of the things, this goes out to entrepreneurs. The audience for the video is entrepreneurs themselves. And the one thing that entrepreneurs always love hearing is where it all started. Where did entrepreneurism, having your own firm, where did that start? And when did it start? And where did it start? Sure. Well, as we spoke about at your house, I'm a a third generation Eagle Scout and I grew up around my dad having a business. So I'd go to business meetings with him. And I wrote business plans all growing up, had started four or five businesses by the time I got out of high school and had one in business school. And then what happened was that I had a job doing risk consulting and I was bored out of my mind. So I decided that no one else was going to pay me a hundred thousand plus a year. So I had to go in some job where it's meritocratic and I kind of eat what I kill. So I looked at commercial real estate or raising capital for hedge funds. I got into a capital raising job found out the best place to raise capital was from the ultra-wealthy investors, not high net worth. And I found out those were called family offices. And that was in 2007. And I looked for a trail guide. I looked for the Dan Sullivan of family offices, and there were none. You know, I'd been mentored by many people like Brian Tracy and Evan Pagan, et cetera, before then. And there was no trail guide. So I started sharing what I was learning online and started getting a thousand hits a day to the website and got on the front page of the Boston Globe and then spoke a hundred times in 14 countries and started hosting my own events and bought familyoffices.com a long time ago. And basically I've just been, you know, hosting 130 live events since then and providing a lot of thought leadership through writing a lot of books. So the very kernel of the start was me realizing Jeffrey Gittimer's advice was really true in this niche that if you give away something of value to someone who can say yes to you once a week. And you do that for one to two years, you'll be a local expert. If you do it for three or four years, you'll be a national expert. If you do it for seven years, you'll be a global expert. And when I read that during my MBA, he said in his book, no one's going to follow this advice. It takes way too much work. And I read that and I said, well, I'm going to be the son of a bitch who does it because he just told me I'm not going to do it. And I didn't even know what a family office was when I read that. And I said, oh, eventually I'm going to use that And then that's just the whole thing that we've been doing inside the Family Office Club is just trying to provide that thought leadership each week. Yeah. For the viewers and listeners to this interview, Richard, could you define us, you know, when does a family office actually become a reality in terms of a family's growth and wealth? And the ones that you have seen are really great family offices. What do they handle? Sure. So really when somebody's at the point of 7, 10, 15 million net worth or higher, they're going to need some type of family office solution. And you can have a very lean virtual family office up until 75, 100, 150 million net worth, but then you're going to need a full-fledged single family office. And it just means a more holistic management of things because usually you have 50 different LLCs, 20 different properties, three different houses in Toronto, Chicago, et cetera. And you might have a number of things to coordinate. And so the chance of making a mistake is much greater. 
but also the cost of each mistake is much greater. So a really good family office will take those things off the entrepreneur's brain, manage things more holistically for them, and play a really good defense so they can focus on their unique ability and only investing their time and energy in things where they get the highest ROI per hour and per day and maximize kind of their free time at that same time. Okay, so the actual starting date of the Family Office Club is 2007, 2008, is that right? Yeah, 2007. Well, that was a good year. (laughs) Yeah. You really went through boot camp over the next couple of years, I guess. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because when I started, I had quit my job raising capital and I had less money in my bank account than I had due for rent that month in Harvard Square. And I was in a studio apartment that was under a house, like a basement little 300 square foot thing with a galley kitchen. And I had no choice. I didn't have money to advertise. And so I just took that Jeffrey Gettemer strategy of thought leadership and doubled, tripled down. And before I could get a job offer at the next spot, I was bringing in more money through providing that thought leadership and I had gotten in my last position. So it kind of took off from there. So it's kind of going back to our roots right now. Yeah. Well, talk about the growth. When did the jump to Miami? When did that occur then? That was in 2015. So we grew the business for eight years, but it only got it to you know 1.3 million over that eight years. But then we've tripled the business since then after moving to Miami. And, you know, a lot of our growth has come from acquiring what Vern Harnish would call choke points and things which are intellectual property or positioning assets that help grow our exposure, but also holding people highly accountable. So if something goes wrong or goes very well, we know what that is and there's key performance indicators. But also, Coach, you know, I made so much money off of your ideas before I joined. You know, I was in 10x for one year and I upgraded to Frontier the very first chance I could before even that next year you know, technically it started in November. So I think I was one of your fastest upsells possible. That's right. Chip and Jay did the same thing. Okay. Jay Jacobs and Chip Mock. And that's the requirement. You have to have at least one year and 10 times before you can come into the free zone. For our benefit, and really for the benefit, because it's mostly strategic coach who are actually watching this, what would you see as the crucial difference between 10 times and the free zone frontier, because a lot of people, unless they've been in on the conversations, they don't really grasp the whole aspect of collaboration. You know, Mm -hmm. how does that work out for an entrepreneur who's grown up in an intensely competitive market? So if you could just see the learning that took place in 10 times, and then what more has been learned in the free zone, that would be very beneficial for us because you've lived it. Yeah, sure. I think one big difference is that people in the frontier tend to be already playing or looking at how to design a $100 million game, where in 10x you have full spectrum of terms of some people who are maybe trying to grow into the $50 million a year game or $30 million, but almost everyone in the frontier is looking to play the $100 million game. They don't say that out loud. I don't think it's many people's explicit goal, but no. I see that more often. They would not have any obstacles in the way of actually growing that much. I think that's the big thing because they're taking a totally different approach. Right. Two examples of that that I've implemented since joining Frontier that's given me my big ROI is one, right at the end of 10X start of Frontier, we started our investor relations marketing agency called pitchdex.com. We do all the materials for anybody raising capital. And now that's bringing in half a million dollars a year in revenue. And we don't do any advertising because everyone at our workshops on how to raise capital and how to work with family offices are raising their hands saying, well, we like your advice, but now we need help actually implementing it. So that was me saying, okay, well, it's related to our unique ability. It's related to our strengths as a company. 
so we can move on that aggressively. And we did, and that's paid off. This one idea had saved me $400,000. And I think end of next year, it'll save me 700000 We used to host all of our events in hotels and Marriott's and such. And we were spending you know, around 700000 a year in venues. But then I realized there's other people who want to speak on stage and get exposure at our events because we sell a million a year in sponsorships. So we found a big accounting firm. We also had Wells Fargo to agree to this. But this big accounting firm is the number six largest in the world. And they get to speak at our events. But in return, we can host our events in their training centers in major U.S. cities. So now we have no cost of hosting the events. So our costs go down. Plus, they get free exposure at our events. But even better yet, I can refer clients to them and they make me look good. They're highly credible. They can refer clients to me and that builds my client base. But neither of us are paying each other along the way. In the free zone, that's a perfect collaboration. It's all wins with no losses. Right, right. And that pays for six or seven years of frontier every year. (laughs) That one idea. I could get no more ideas and just see you next year and... I'll come back. And then there's other exciting ones. Like one thing we're doing to innovate right now further is to cater some of the investments we bring to our investors. Because even though we help people raising capital and we help investors, we don't help people on an investment banking success fee percentage. We're giving them advice and databases and tools. We're helping the investors on a percentage basis, meaning like we're helping them allocate technically. And we're not helping anyone raise capital on a contract basis. And so What that means is that there's an opportunity to serve the medical community, dentists and doctors who are looking for investments. So we created something called the doctor's family office. And we have that live now in kind of beta form. We've got five dentists and doctors as clients. And the collaborative part of me has been able to identify that there's these two doctor dentist investor clubs. And in this case, we are doing a revenue share and we're sharing 50% gross revenue to remove the friction of them not saying yes or being generous. And basically, when they have investors in their club, they can double their monetization of that client if they refer them to us. And then we split the fees in half for any deals those doctors and dentists invest in through us. It could be a dental clinic chain or a life settlement investment, et cetera. And so we went from having five doctors and dentists to now we have these two pools. In this one pool, there's 45 doctors and dentists, and they're going to point out who are the best prospects for us to go to. So that's a collaboration that we're you know, excited about because it could just mean exponential growth. If we got 20 of those in place, you know, it changes everything. One of the key concepts that we're going into deeply during 2020 in the free zone is what I call deep DOS innovation. I said, you know, 99% of entrepreneurs, even successful entrepreneurs, spend all their time watching what their competitors are doing. And They're looking for emerging best practices from their competitors. But Mm -hmm. in the free zone, you literally would consider that wasted time looking at your competitors. What you're looking at is the emerging DOS issues, the dangers, the opportunities, and the strengths of the most aspirational clients and customers you have. In other words, you're looking for venturesome clients and customers who are really transformational in their own thinking about their future. And it seems to me that you plugged into that very early. Right, right. I think out of maybe desperation to make the business work early on, or, uh, you know, I had free time. I had more time than money at the beginning. And I think if you start with your unique ability, and then you look at what people are looking to your company for at the end of the day. And for me, on the investor side, it's deal flow and setting up their family office. But with those raising capital, they're looking for investor leads. I found that then you can look for some double DOS situations like 
if I could do lead gen for a tax advisory firm and they're willing to pay me per lead or I do a $5,000 a month retainer to get those leads coming in, I don't offer a tax advisory directly, but a percentage of those leads that go to the tax advisory firm, if we have a qualification form that we know the top five or 10% are going to also need family office help, then that lead can also be my lead and they don't care. We can just keep in contact with how that lead is going on both sides and maybe work with them together in some cases. And so I'm not intruding on their sandbox. They're getting the service, but then they're paying for my lead gen and they're happy because of the collaboration. Yep. I got a question for you. Up until the current crisis, so this would have been late in 2019 and first month probably of 2020, what kind of year were you gearing up for? I was gearing up for my most profitable year ever because of the venue idea. We were going to really, you know, increase that bottom line. Well, that was 700000 that was in the bank before. <laughs> yeah. It never left the bank, I should say. And thank God we were. My team said, well, thank God we made those moves, Richard. And the first time I brought that idea up to my conference team who books all the venues, they literally said, ah, I think you're crazy. No one's ever going to give us a venue for free. We spend 70000 to do a one-day event sometimes. Like, what are you thinking, Richard? And we went to three people and one of the three said yes on our first attempt. So, you know, it just goes to show you got to try and get real feedback. We were going to be hosting 30 live events. You know, we're doing an event every week and a half. I was on the airplane at least once a week, every week of the year until I got exposed to someone of the coronavirus and had to uh, set up a little bed and literally sleep and live in my office away from the family for a week there. And that's what we were planning on. But I think the way that we're taking that momentum, besides everything else I've said to this point, is really that a lot of investors went to cash or partial cash. And they don't know which way is up, but change is opportunity. Somebody in the Game of Thrones, I remember, said, chaos is not a pit, chaos is a ladder, and the climb is all there is. And basically, like, right now, there's some chaos in terms of what do you do with your money. Mm-hmm. And so we're working with investors on, like, what do you know best? You've made your money growing a dental chain practice. Why don't you consider investing in someone else's and you can be strategic or consider something that is not related to stocks or real estate, mm-hmm. et cetera. So there's there's a way to use this opportunity for momentum. And then the last thing I'd say related to that is that we made an investment into a company called Better Bath, Better Body. I'm selling the founder. I'm trying to come into strategic coach here one of these days. We invested in them as a bath salt company and they're up 25, 30% right now in revenue. And so I think that there's some companies right now doing better than ever that mm-hmm. need money to buy inventory. So those who can buy inventory right now or acquire assets, you know, it's a good time to be spending if you have that level of liquidity. Richard, we had a free zone conference this morning and we talked about the idea and I've introduced a new tool which will be available to everyone who's watching this interview with us and it's called the first hundred days that when a new normal, it's not going to be the old normal, but a new normal appears and that's in the hands of the government, the CDC, and the White House, and the state governors. There will be a new normal, but what of the changes that you've made just for the purpose of physical distancing? We won't call it social distancing. You're probably doing more social connection than you've ever done in your life. But the physical, once you know we're back and we're free to wander, more or less, wander and mingle, what are the new things you've done that absolutely stay when you get to the new normal? 
Yeah, I went through a normal level of American caffeination. And then when I was literally sleeping, living, working 14 hours a day in my office, my caffeination went about off the charts because I was like, well, I've got no kids at nighttime, you know, whatever, I'll just work a lot. And then I realized like between, you know, family stuff and, you know, work changes and everything that it was too much. So I just went totally decaffeinated after that. That's one change. I've done that once or twice before because a strategic coach Somebody challenged me once and said, oh, really? You've always drank coffee? Even since you were born as a baby, you drank coffee? He said, no, nah, you'll be fine. You're not going to lose all your success not drinking coffee. I think that's made me more calm. I also think that I have a benefit of being five blocks away from my office. So that's how I have my Monaco-like background going here. And so being able to actually be in a work environment where I can just knock stuff out all day long and have 12 Zoom calls a day and record seven assets a day, etc., I think it's a huge advantage over everyone else working out of their basements, complaining they can't get anything done to me. But I also think that the daily investor mandates, people are really liking those. And there's a ton of value for the investors, but also members of the Family Office Club can now connect with those investors. We already have those booked out through almost all of May, every business day. And we're just going to book that out and just be like two to four months ahead. And that's just going to make the podcast, the social media, the YouTube that much stronger. So I know those things I'll want to keep for sure. Yeah. Now, so this is the wrap-up question, but going back to Boston, like when you just started and you were already kind of a veteran amateur in the sense that you had started companies in high school and while you were at university. But if you had to say you're starting and you got a vision for the future, and this was 2007, if you had to pick things that have surprised you the most about your ability to do this, what would be the three things that looking back to 2007, that if the Richard of the future went back and gave a report to the Richard of 2007, which three things would you tell the 2007 that would be most surprising? I think one would just be the surprising nature of finding the niche within a niche and just going really deep on that because every space gets more crowded. People want the expert that's built for their specific type of migraine. They want that, et cetera, and that's functional to it to even a deeper degree than I ever knew. Also, the depth at which the opposite of everyone else adds to power within the financial investment space. When all wealth advisors are focused on stocks, bonds, and ETFs, and someone else is focused like we do only on the direct investment component, it just makes the collaboration easier because it's just like simplifier multiplier. It's like, we're adding a direct investment component. You can do all the traditional wealth management that means there's electricity can be created because it is different, not to be worried about it being different. And then the final thing I think is just so backwards to me, it's still is surprising, is that I found out in the very first year or two that family offices themselves don't talk to more than 20 or 30 of their peers per year in any meaningful depth. So if you go into a space, even as an outsider, and you interview all the experts, and every day you're interviewing them, and every day you're looking at the view of the forest, like you get a strategic coach, then you're going to have insights and see trends and golden threads and commonalities and costly mistakes and be able to see things that others just don't see because they're at 40 feet off the ground or 200 feet and you're at 1,000 feet off the ground. And I think that that ties into something I want to make sure and say is, you know, and I say this genuinely, when I got started, Evan Pagan was a huge mentor and he got me to seven figures of business through the financial downturn in our third year in business. But then I needed someone to get me to that next level. And I found you because all the mentors I was going to were all referring to you and saying, you are the coach. So I kind of swam upstream to you. And for 2018, all I did was read your books, listen to your podcasts, digest your content. I didn't read any books, any 
newsletters, any podcast from anyone else, just stuff that was you. And that really helps. It makes you think, okay, what am I letting in my brain? Only the person who sees the 10,000 foot view of my exact niche, whatever your niche is, you know, whether you're a surgeon or a business owner, et cetera. So if you can be a Dan Sullivan for your niche within a niche, mm-hmm. then I think people will also, maybe they won't go on a media fast and only read Richard Wilson stuff, but you know, they'll see you in a way different light, I think. Yeah, well, the thing is, first of all, you've really struck on a passion of mine. I honestly believe that everybody in Free Zone, and I actually believe that everybody who is someone into transforming themselves throughout their life, that the kind of program that I've created, and, you know, it's my particular passion, it's my particular approach, my particular vision is possible for any entrepreneur And they can create their own tools, they can create their own concepts, they can have their own programs. You know, we've had situations and we've got really good IP lawyers who police this for us of people stealing our stuff. And I said, I want to stop you because I think you're doing a really stupid thing. I mean, we can protect ourselves, but I think you're doing a really stupid thing. You've got ideas, but... The thing that I have over you is that I'm not watching any competitors. People say, well, who are the other coaches? And I said, well, I think half of them are actually in my program. I said, I, I, don't, I, said, I can't tell you because it's not something I pay any attention to. But constantly being in touch where my most advanced free zone clients are and just what's the next unexplored territory that they want to chart out for themselves in a unique way and then to see what kind of thinking tools do they need to do that. And I would say, Richard, that's exactly what you're doing. You are doing the exact model, and you got 30 more years until you're as old as I am right now, so you're going to develop a lot lot of intel. But it's all about the intellectual capital and property that you're simply getting from being at the very, very cutting edge of your most ambitious, most venturesome clients, that's where the concepts come from and that's where the tools come from. Right, right. No, I agree. And I think I want to focus more time going forward on, you know, who has unlimited supply seemingly of some of the things I have a little bit of more need for, or I don't have on my balance sheet, like the training center idea. It makes me think what other ideas am I missing that could save me $700,000 or make me that much. And then also, you know, it happens to be that the two venue partners we have right now that are the strongest are the two are two publicly traded companies. Yeah. And so, like you've mentioned before, plugging into publicly traded company resources that I could collaborate with is something I want to spend more time on in future workshops as well. Yeah. It's kind of a thrill to me to have you get on video how you've done this because, I mean, I've been through about seven abrupt changes in the marketplace since I started coaching entrepreneurs, there's a certain process to it. It's how fast on the first day you're into gear that I think is really crucial. And the other thing is that during normal times, you're on the winning team. During scary times, you're on the learning team. But that learning properly captured during the scary times actually has a 10 times multiplier when you bring that back into the normal time, new normal, not the old normal, but the new normal. And it seems to me that that's very, very clear in your game plan and how you're actually operating right now. So I just want to appreciate being so clear, so focused in your description of how you've done what you've done, Richard. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. No, it's been super helpful. We've just had a big 
huge increase this year in the number of 100 million plus and 20 million plus net worth families coming towards us through the Centimillionaire Advisors and our How to Start a Family Office book, et cetera. And a lot of that's come from Coach. So, yeah, I'm definitely appreciative and excited to be a part of this group. I see it as the strongest group that I belong to. You know, I go to a lot of my own events. I don't want to go to any other events unless they're blowing my mind with huge value, right? So you're the only event series that I go to. I don't do A360 or EO anymore. I dropped that once I joined Coach, and it doesn't really compare to Coach today. So I appreciate everything you've done to put it together. Thank you, Richard. 